welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Matthew Carl Earle for a game called Legend of Xuan Yuan. Now, it's possible you haven't heard of this game because it's a mobile game in China, and I found out about it in a little bit of a weird way. Uh, I was on this big panel at the end of 2017 and early 2018 to listen to just a ton of video game scores and like vote or nominate on what I thought were some of the best in certain categories. And there was just so much music that um, what I would do is I'd put it on and then I'd go about my business around the house or whatever I had to do. And, you know, if something is catching my ear repeatedly, I would make note and go see who had written that particular score and, you know, learn a little bit more that way. And that happened twice with the same composer of games I'd never heard of before, and it was Matthew Carl Earl. And so I reached out to him, and this was more than a year ago, uh, but this is what we spoke about then. familiar then with how I how I discovered these right through the gang awards um, yeah yeah I think Richard submitted them and then yeah and then you yeah I saw your email so yep yeah so I listened to them and and basically the way I do that because there's so much listening for that I mean you know 30 some scores will be submitted for one category and there are a lot of duplicates so you can you know avoid redundancies that way but basically I just kind of especially for album of the year, uh, I'll just put it on and go about my business. And then if something catches my attention, I make a note of it. And so that's kind of what happened with your music. I just was not even aware that you had written both of those games when I, you know, uh, made notes what, about what, You know what I mean? What were the two games? Were the King, Kings of Chaos? King of, King of King, Chaos King of and Chaos. Legend of Xuan Yuan. Xuan Yuan, yes, that's how it's pronounced. Yes, those two games. And I I heard Legend of Xuan Yuan first, and I, you know, just made some notes about just how much I appreciated, uh, you know, because it's a, is it a Chinese game? Yeah, they're they're both Chinese games, actually. They're both Chinese games. So, you know, obviously there's, you know, Chinese instruments in there, but... It was just so tastefully done, and and it wasn't like hitting me over the head that that that's what you're going for. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. 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 I just I just really liked. Um, I, I just thought they they're both very pretty, beautiful, lush scores. So oh, well, uh, thank so, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just really look forward to talking to you about them both. Now, which one was first? Let's see, because I I they're both very long term. I like I think I started Shuan uh, Yuan first. And it okay. definitely came out first. And then King of Chaos, I, I, I know I started around the same time, but then it took a long break, and then I added some more music. And then just, like right now, I'm still writing some stuff for, for King of Chaos. And then in December, we recorded a bunch of seasonal stuff for like winter and spring. We got to do live orchestra and everything. That was really cool for, for that game. So For King of Chaos, there was live for orchestra. For King of Chaos, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Xuan Yuan, yeah, the music in that game is is kind of old. Like the the main theme, I think that was maybe two years ago. I wrote, but the, okay. <laughs> the game finally came out this last <laughs> year. So, 
Okay, and what are the games like? Are they both RPGs? Shuan uh, uh, Yuan is. It's 3D, like MMORPG, actually. It's like... And in, in China, it's interesting because the, uh, the console market is so, like, defeated and, like, nobody really plays consoles over there. And hmm. some people... Like, a lot of people play PC, but not as much as mobile. So the mobile market's really their AAA. So they try to make all of their games, like, super high quality for mobile so that, you know, it has more access because that's where all the player base is. So you find all these, like, MMORPGs and, like, super triple-A quality games on mobile. It's it's really bizarre, actually. That but is yeah. crazy. Yeah. And then King of Chaos is, um, is like, a mobile, it's, like, strategy kind of sort of uh, Age of Empires-esque. But it's mobile as well. Yeah, that's a, another mobile game, yeah. Wow. They're both mobile. That's amazing. So how does Hexany get connected with a Chinese developer in that way? Like, how did that uh, relationship start? It started from... Um, I, Richard talked a long time ago to... Um, to an Richard audio, Ludlow. Audio, yeah, yeah, Richard Ludlow, my business partner. Yeah, you know him well. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and uh, he, he was talking to an audio director from another company that not even involved with Tencent. And, um, and then... Like years went by, and then we got a com- totally random email from the audio director of Tencent Aurora Studios asking about music and stuff like that. And apparently, they got a recommendation, but it was like a weird long string of how they got involved. But basically, they just sent us an email randomly with the like, "Oh, hey, we want we want some music." And uh, the first thing I started working on for them was an MMORPG called uh, Iron Knight. And then I was doing some stuff for that. That game eventually fell through in development. And then I got to work on their their like flagship MMO, Moonlight Blade, which is, I love that game. It's really beautiful. And it's a PC MMORPG about like ancient China and stuff like that. Yeah, and I, I think they they kind of were turned on to the the idea that it, like I'm not Chinese <laughs> and like okay. you know I like I learn as much as I can about Chinese music and I collect a lot of Chinese instruments, but I think they like that it's uh, kind of the the Western perspective on the Chinese music. So I, I just started writing for lots and lots of their games, but yeah, they're one of my one of my largest clients. So were you interested in Chinese music and instruments before you started working on Chinese games? Yeah, interested as in, like, I was aware of them, and I, and I knew, like, the Arhu and the Dietze and, like, some of these instruments and being like, oh, wow, those are really beautiful. But I didn't I didn't really start my, my instrument collection until I started working on these games because it was, like, I was already a wind player, but when I started writing for Moonlight Blade, I found, like, oh, I need to, I need to be recording a lot of these, like, traditional winds, and instead of hiring a players and stuff, I just bought a lot of the wind instruments and just started recording them myself. I'm 
makes us feel like we've gotten ahead of ourselves because I, of course, know what Hexany Audio is, and I know who Richard is, and I know your role in the company, you know, better now. Uh, but if you wouldn't mind just explaining that, and then I want to come back to what we were just talking about. But go ahead and tell oh, us. Oh, absolutely. Hexony. Oh yeah, yeah. Hexany Audio. We're a we're a team of audio people that uh, that specializes in video games. So we do music, sound, and dialogue. So and implementation. So it's pretty much anything that has to do with a video game that makes any sort of sound or related to sound, we we try to handle entirely in-house. So we, we don't work with contractors or anything like that. We've got eight people here in our studio and we just kind of, we're like the, the hitman team, you know, people will <laughs> need requirements and we'll just kind of figure it out how to do it and we'll all jump on different things. There's me as a composer and we have another composer here, Jason Walsh, who uh, he specializes a little more in like popular music and electronic, and he totally kills it at that. And I'm kind of more on the the acoustic and and orchestral side. Because you mentioned then just a moment ago that you were a wind player, and for some reason, I are you a drummer too? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> the jack of all trades, master of none is gotcha. kind of my my thing. So. Uh, drum set was actually my my real focus instrument. It wasn't my first. Piano was actually my first, but but drum set was like what I was really really trying to get good at through through high school. And I, I played in bands as a drummer, and and that was kind of my my real focus instrument. But I don't actually get to play drum set <laughs> that often anymore because I'm writing like orchestral music all the time now. So, well, yeah. And the other thing that I thought I read about you is that you know metal music is a, a big part of your life. And oh yeah, I, I'd just love to hear more about that kind of duality in your life. Is what I'm getting oh. at. Oh yeah, I I mean honestly, I I don't even give it give it much thought. It's kind of like I've always thought of music it's just kind of it's music you know it's like it has different mm -hmm. purposes and like I, I try not to think like or try to think uh you know devoid of genre you know i'm just writing music and when i'm writing with with my band xanthocroid it's like yeah it's metal genre but it's like if you listen to our last album of earth and accent it's like half of it's a freaking musical you know it's like <laughs> it's like singing with with orchestra and lots of folk instruments and it's like really pretty and ridiculous and you know and, mm -hmm. and then yeah and then it gets like metal with blast beats and drums and guitars it's just kind of like it's creating moods and creating music it's not like oh we're making metal you know it just, it just yeah. happens to it's like we're making music and it just so happens to be metal you know yeah <laughs> I would love to hear more about some of these instruments um, uh, because it is so, so different than what we're accustomed to. And it's not like we've never talked about these things on this podcast before, but it's just fun to remind ourselves what some of these, what we would think of as exotic instruments are. So uh, give us a little taste of uh, some of your favorites that you've picked up over the years and maybe how you have gotten to use them in some of these scores. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely gotten some of the most mileage out of out of my wind instruments. I 
I, uh, when I was about 17 or 18, I started playing like the Irish penny whistles because they're super easy, really similar to recorders. And mm -hmm. then I switched over to start actually playing the real recorder. And then I started playing the concert flute, which taught me to like, you know, play transverse flute, which opened up kind of oh. pretty much uh, like uh, all the flute families. Yep. And, uh, and every flute from all over the world is basically the same. Like they all function. They're just a pipe with holes in it and you blow mm -hmm. into it and it makes sound. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. like, it's not like you have to learn these specific things, but like I, I have them all right here, like just in my basket. But uh, there's <laughs> there's like the a, a really interesting one that I've got tons of mileage out of is a Chinese one called a dizi, and it's spelled D I Z I, but it's just a transverse open hold flute, and then it's got a hole drilled right uh, in between where your finger holes are and where your embouchure sits, and uh, you you glue a really really thin like slice of bamboo that's like really thin rice paper almost but it's this little sliver of bamboo and it buzzes when you play it and no it like kidding. has a and it has a really really pretty pretty sound here like <laughs> wait hang on yeah i want to hear it. one right here <laughs> see it's kind of got that little sound yeah. in there and that's yeah. caused from the the little membrane of bamboo, but they're really, really beautiful instruments. And I, I have a, a ton of them. And then there's other ones like the Bawu and then there's the Shao, which is kind of an end blown. It's really similar to a Shakuhachi. Okay. And then yeah. that's the one everybody <laughs> assumes is being heard a lot of times, right? Shakuhachi is pretty yeah, traditional. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's a very limited instrument. It's only got uh, five holes, one thumb hole and then four on the front. So, and it can only play pentatonic scales. So you mm -hmm. have to be like really good at half holing things to, to play on it. I, I actually sure. prefer to play the Shao, which is the Chinese version, because it has, uh, you can play full chromatic scales on it. What's the Chinese version called again? It's called a Shao. It's X-I-A-O. And it's another end blown flute, really similar to the Shakuhachi. Cool. And it has more holes or just a different sound? Yeah. Yeah, it has it has a lot more holes, and you okay. can with the fingerings you can play it fully chromatic because it's a lot longer, and somehow they figured out. I don't know. I'm not a flute maker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. but it's yeah. Somehow it's able to get get a fully chromatic scale, which is pretty handy. Yeah, no kidding. That's that's amazing. Uh, so how about some of the stringed instruments that that uh, are heard in there? Or oh plucked yeah. Even yeah. Yeah, and I have a, a pipa, which is. It's kind of like a Chinese, not a banjo, because there's actually another instrument that's very similar to a banjo, but but it's it's like a guitar almost, but there's actually no sound hole in the body. Mm -hmm. It's got a very, very slim body, and it, the whole shape of the instrument's like a big teardrop, and there's yeah. like a billion frets on it. It goes up super high, and it's got four strings, and they sound really, really cool, because it, it like it's very... Re has a very resonant and woody sound, but like almost no sustain. It's just like bam, and then it's like done. The, <laughs> the the sound is very done, so it's very like plucky. I also have a gujong, which is just the instrument's like cheating. It's like impossible to play anything that doesn't sound just gorgeous because, <laughs> because it's tuned. It's a it's like a zither that's got twenty eight strings, twenty three strings, something like that. And uh, and it's tuned pentatonically, so you oh, can just course. play, yeah. and you know, and just sounds awesome. And then you yeah. bend, you bend with the left hand, you bend the notes, so you can get, uh, you know, accidentals and things like that. So. Wow! And wow. fill in the diatonic scale and stuff.
And I'm sure there's some percussion in there, too. Oh, yep. There's, yeah, taikos and things like that. And there's a ton of instruments. Anything with a bow, I cannot play for the life of me. So so I will bring in <laughs> bring in players for, for like, Arhu, which is all over these scores and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's kind of a funny-shaped instrument as well. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there's always, just how many? Just one string on it? It's two. Two. But the, okay. But the bow is sandwiched between the two strings, so you can't take the bow off the strings. <laughs> I always, I, I always joke about the design of the instrument because I, I honestly just think it's one of the worst designed instruments ever made. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, you, you put your finger on the string. There's no fingerboard, right? So it's just you yeah. put it on the string. So mm-hmm. it's very hard to, to stay in tune, you know, because you can overbend the string. And then because the bow doesn't come off the strings, as soon as you stop bowing, the sound stops. Wow. So, <laughs> and then it's got a very small resonant cavity. So it's a very like, you know, it's very loud and very prominent in the upper mid frequencies. So it's, it's one of those instruments, if you're not amazing at it, <laughs> it is not a pleasant thing to hear. But if you are amazing at it, it is incredible. So for King of Chaos, you mentioned earlier that you got to work with live orchestra. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Did you conduct or did you hand that over to someone else? Oh, yeah. Uh, for, for the majority of the session, yeah, our, my orchestrator, uh, Nate Hoffines, Nathan Hoffines, he, he's also a conductor and he knows all the players in Salt Lake City, which is where we recorded. Oh, so he okay. was able to, you know, he orchestrated it and then he was able to conduct it, which was great because, you know, he was able to to write specific things for certain players and cue them off because he knew all the players and stuff. So that was that was great. I, I went up at the very end and conducted some easy cues just for fun, my own practice because I don't <laughs> I don't get to do that very often. But but yeah, I'd, I'd rather be sitting in the control room listening to everything. Conducting is such a mind game too, because you when you get up on the podium, you like immediately have to like assert yourself as like, okay, I'm in charge. Yes. Like, and if you don't carry that weight and presence with you, it's kind of like if the players don't like respect you, it's not like <laughs> like that you're not going to get a great <laughs> performance out of them. And yep. I, there's also the whole deal when like when I'm conducting, I'm like focusing on making like trying to bring out certain things and do the mix in real time and stuff, but like I'm not actually like critically listening to it so i always have to like ask the booth like ah, how did that sound you yeah. know so i wish i was so i think it's better when i'm in the booth and there's an actual professional conductor doing it because then i can listen critically and and uh and make judgments based sure. on the performance sure um so other than getting to collect instruments i mean what would you say you've really enjoyed about you know just working with chinese instruments and, and music i mean what what do you get out of that um, I, I find like they're they're very open to uh, to just kind of whatever whatever we want to do, which is really really cool. Like we'll just be like, hey, what do you think about like recording this live? And they'll be like, yep, do it. And we're like, sweet. <laughs> so we'll just, so that we do have a lot of freedom there. That's really great. 
and um, I, the the style is really beautiful to write in to. It's it's always just been just awesome. You just keep adding thirds to the chords, and it just gets sexier and sexier. And like they, <laughs> it's it's just it's very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, talk to me a little bit more because there's a lot of pentatonic stuff in 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 your writing as well. Obviously, because the instruments yeah. lend themselves that way. Um, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's kind of everybody talks about how the pentatonic scale is just like the the classic Chinese sound, and, and it, it totally is. And, and most of the melodies are like pentatonically driven over like some some thicker harmony and like. Just like yeah, the, the most classic Chinese sound is like in a minor, like playing minor pentatonic, and then just having like that sexy flat six there just the whole time while it's just <laughs> playing these pretty melodies, and then and then you can throw in for passing tones like like diatonic notes and even some chromatic notes and stuff that always adds to it. But that, that's kind of the basis. But I, I always do try to to bring it out of that as much as I can because one, it can be a little limiting and boring, and two, I, I'm always trying to kind of push it to it's like how like how far can I go harmonically but still keep the like the traditional Chinese sound especially for a game like Moonlight Blade which is it's supposed to be have that very Chinese sound but it's like but I but we're it needs to be really dark in this moment or something like that but it's like what can I do to actually like take advantage of more western experimental harmony that that you know is not as present in traditional Chinese music But with the mobile titles, you know, it's pretty likely you're not going to be asked to write, like, two or three hours of music. <laughs> no, no, not, not um, often. Yeah, so so that's, in I think, in a lot of ways kind of nice, uh, don't you? Do you, maybe this is a leading question the way I'm about to ask it, but it seems like that might be uh, just a little more cohesive, you know, you can cut more of the fat out kind of thing, you know? No, no, I think so, definitely. It's uh, it, it's kind of cool because I'm I'm not most of the music I'm writing. It's not just kind of, uh, which almost seems like opposite because it's their mobile games and we always think of them like kind of casual games that people flip open. But because they're like such intense games that people like actually care a lot about playing and they're MMORPGs and things like that that are on the cell phone. And like you were saying, there's a lot of the fat cut out of the music. It's like everything I write is like music. <laughs> it's like there's not much like like ambient. Uh, fill in the blanks stuff. It's all like like a hundred percent, like just always notes, you know. So that's really cool, and it's easy to keep the cohesion. And there's that, and uh, like like King of Chaos, I've probably done about forty five minutes of music for, and then Xuan Yuan was a little shorter. I think the the soundtrack was cut to like twenty minutes or something, but I probably did thirty minutes of music for that game. And, mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, like Moonlight Blade, I've done like four hours. So wow, <laughs> but that's yeah. a PC game, of course. So uh, with um, the two mobile titles, uh, were you able to play them at all on your own to get a sense, or did they send you screen cap or uh, you know concept art? How did you work off of uh, that? Sure, yeah, I was definitely a lot more involved with all that stuff on um, on King of Chaos and, and Moonlight Blade as well too. But uh, but Xuan Yuan started as it was 
like a an idea. They're like, oh hey, by the way, there was this old game. Uh, it was called Xuan Yuan Sword, which was they made like a TV series, and there was all this stuff out of it. But it was an old ten cent game, and they're like, oh, we want to reboot that game, but for mobile, and we want you to like take the main theme and just like reinvent it and everything. So I did that. That was the first thing I did. Uh, I wrote that main theme. I had my my friend come in and play cello and did all that stuff. And then they kind of sent some more things. I did the cities, which was which was kind of fun because there was all the different themes. It was like the they they sent the names in Chinese too, and then I, I translated them, and that was like the like the fluorescent castle, and then like the city by the the sea, and there was all those kind of things that they did give me like mental ideas of what it should sound like. And then they sent concept art and videos of running around. So I, I didn't get to play that game per se. It was just more like watching videos of of gameplay, looking mm-hmm. at art. But, you know, some of the things it's like after you've been working on a game for a while and you kind of know what it should sound like, they can literally just send you a file name and be like, yeah, go. And you kind of have an idea (laughs) of like what what it should be, you know. That happens with uh, King of Chaos all the time. Like just recently, uh, I, I do these stingers for for every time you purchase a new castle, it plays a, a stinger with the theme of that castle. And v- at the very beginning, they would send like the art and everything with descriptions of which each one should sound like. But then they started coming so many, so many, so so many. So they just wanted a bunch of bulk ones. And they're just like, yeah, give us a bunch of these. And I'm like, yeah, I know what you mean. And then, like, I just <laughs> kind of write a bunch of different, like some are really like heroic and, and mighty. And then some are like kind of evil. And then some are really beautiful. And some are like kind of light and springy. And, and you know, and then yeah. they'll just kind of pick and choose those for the different castles. So things like mm-hmm. that will happen. But the mm-hmm. more I can be involved, I, I obviously appreciate that because it, <laughs> it helps my creative flow. Yeah, and, you know, I mentioned that it was just a little complicated to try and find much information out about Xuan Yuan. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But I did stumble across the fact that it had been a TV series, and so for a half a second I was like, wait, what? Oh, no, 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 it's definitely not a TV series that we're talking about today. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, did you, you did use part of the old main theme, or you used that as inspiration only? No, yeah, I, I did use the main theme. It okay, was for okay. it was for the I think the game was called Xuan Yuan Sword and it the was very an RPG. First one, yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah, it was just that melody. I, I took the ba da 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 Yep. Da 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 Yeah, that thing. So they were like, use that melody, make a new piece of music. And I was like, Okay, cool. that sounds really fun. I always love working with existing themes. It's it's really inspiring to me. When using something existing too, I, I feel like because I'm not thinking so much about like what the melody should sound like, because I'm like, oh, the melody is this; it has to be this. I can't change it. It's like it, it 
it forces my creativity into other places, like the actual arrangement and then like what the harmony is going to be, like the instrumentation, things like that. I feel like I'm a lot more creative with the other stuff because I'm not focusing on like, oh, well, maybe I should change the melody so it fits in with this, you know, things like that. It's like the melody is what it is. I, <laughs> so I, it's up to me to change the other things. Let's just take a little uh, side road here and talk a little bit more about your background. And, you know, we talked about how piano was your first and then you moved to drums. Um, tell us, uh, you know, where you grew up and uh, where you went to school and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I was born in Northern California in a, uh, in a city called Roseville. It's a little tiny area north of Sacramento, Granite Bay, kind of on Folsom Lake, but cool area but I, I lived there until I was about 11 I think so yeah 10 or 11 and then my uh, my family moved down to Laguna Niguel which is near Laguna Beach in South Orange County and I pretty much grew up there from 11 to I mean now I, I pretty I live down pretty close to them in an area called Mission Viejo so I'm still in South nice. Orange County so I I love South Orange County, so I will be staying there. <laughs> so, but I will I will endure the the long drive up to Los Angeles. But I, I like my Orange County. That's but awesome. yeah, so I was down there. I went to um, I I really started getting into music uh, during my middle school years. I think like sixth or seventh grade. I just wanted to pick up drum set for absolutely no reason. <laughs> uh, but, and, and okay, and before that, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. But I, I started playing piano. Uh, when I was about five or six, my mom was got a piano, and she was playing it a little bit, and she was teaching me and making me do recitals for the neighborhood and family and stuff. And I just, <laughs> I it, it was, I hated it. It was, I just abhorred it, everything about it. But it proved to be pretty useful, and I, I wish I actually stuck with. It. I'd probably be a lot better of a piano player if I tell me about <laughs> if it. I yeah. cared, if I cared about it, but but. So I kind of lost interest in music for a long time. And then, uh, yeah, once I got to about sixth or seventh grade, I started picking up drum set and I really wanted to do it for like no reason. Cause I, I was listening to a lot of like, like popular music and, and like hip hop and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it was weird. I was just like, Oh, I want to learn drum set for some reason. And I started playing drum set and that got me into like rock music. And then I was like, Oh, this is cool. Uh, like I want to learn to play guitar too. So I started, so I got a guitar that my sister had and I started playing that and, <laughs> yeah, and that kind of evolved into like, oh, and then metal is like the next step in that, right? As you just devolve down into degeneracy, you just you go from <laughs> rock into metal. And then so yeah. I, and once I, once I started listening to metal, that was kind of when like everything clicked for me. And I'm like, wow, music is the coolest thing ever. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> and I, I started listening to all these bands and tried to learn as much as I could about music. And then I went into high school and uh, I, I met this dude, Sayer Farrell, and he was my my best friend all throughout high school. And all we did was just hang out every day after school and just write and record music. We were like, wow, <laughs> just make making metal or whatever. And then uh, he was pretty into like like classical stuff too. And and I was just starting to get into it too because that's kind of like the the other progression. You know, you get really into music, you start listening to classical stuff. So getting really into like Prokofiev and Stravinsky and things like that and mm -hmm. hearing like the crossovers to metal and stuff like that. And I was just like, yeah, metal and classical, those are like 
that's what I really love, and I want to do one of those two things. You know, I'm either going to be a professional rock star or a composer. You know, one of those. <laughs> so, uh, so my mind was always set on there. I was just a terrible student. I was like flunking out of everything, of course, and <laughs> and uh, the I had that in my mind too. Like it's like, okay, I'm going to be a professional musician. That's the goal. What do I need to do to do that? It's like, oh, well, I need to be able to produce music. So I um. So I contacted a local recording studio called JAS Productions, and uh, this guy Paul Murphy was the was the engineer working there at the time, and uh, he kind of took me as an apprentice. And uh, every weekend I would go over and just work on records, and he would teach me about recording and editing and stuff in Pro Tools. And then, wow, yeah, and my parents bought me a, a Pro Tools rig. With, with just a little interface and some mics and stuff like that. And I started recording wow. and producing our own music for, for me and my friend. And that's pretty much all we did throughout high school was just create songs. <laughs> so <laughs> so that was, I had no idea that that would really be that useful. Like it, when I look back now, it's like, oh, well, I, I wanted to learn recording so I could, you know, become a professional musician. It was very logical, but it was no, it was just like, I loved music and I'm just like, I want to make music. So <laughs> show me yeah. how to record, you know, but yeah. it did, it proved to be very valuable knowledge. So after that, I I tested out of high school because I'm like I don't need this. I'm gonna be a professional rock star, right? So <laughs> <laughs> so I so I left. I I tested out of my high school when I was 16. Uh, I went to a local community college because they were offering some some higher uh, music classes like uh, harmony and counterpoint and musicianship and ear training and things like that. So um so I studied over there with Dr. Norman Weston until I was about. 17 or so or uh, let's see no I was there longer I was 19 or something when I stopped doing that but I started teaching music on the side to private music lessons when I was 17 while I was studying music mm. and uh, and that kind of forced me to pick up new instruments too because I, I was teaching at a place called Dan Man's Music that did all these private music lessons and, yeah. and the, the owner of the shop was a flute player and he gave me my first transverse flute Wow. And uh, he was like, "Oh, you should learn to play this, so you can teach it." I'm like, "Well, that makes sense." And so, so I learned. I learned <laughs> to play it, and I, and like a year later, I started teaching like very beginning flute. Sure. And uh, and that kind of pushed me to learn more about it. And I was teaching drum set mostly. And then I, yeah, then I joined the metal band Xanthacroid because I, I met uh, the the originator of the band, Sam Metter, at at my college I was studying at. You know, everything kind of, <laughs> kind of like twines in. Oh, and he, and he taught at the music shop. He actually, he was the one that got me that job. Oh, and funny. And he worked there forever. And, you know, everything's just kind of entwined. And it's yeah. doing all this stuff. And... moment of change in my in my career was when I went on my first tour with the band mm -hmm. I realized very fast like 
I do not want to do that for the rest of my life. Wow. <laughs> Just like, the travel or too exhausting or... Oh, I mean, it's so fun. You know, it's really, really fun. But I would always throw the joke around that was completely serious. It was like, hey, guys, how much more fun would this be if we didn't have to play shows? Like, <laughs> we, we just we just drove around the country in an RV and just toured everywhere and just had fun. But we just didn't have to play a show every night. How much fun would that be? <laughs> like, yeah. So... I had a ton of fun, and I, I do like performing live. It's it's a lot of fun, but I've always been focused on the the composition aspect, and that was always what I really wanted to do. And I was playing games forever, and it was it was kind of in my mind where like I was like, oh yeah, I would love to be a video game composer, but it never <laughs> like crossed my mind. It's like okay, well then do it, idiot. Like yeah. it, it was just kind of like <laughs> oh, I would love to do that, but I have no idea how to get started. Mm-hmm. And. Um, the the first thing I ever did with games was um, was it was my my girlfriend at the time who's now my fiance it was was telling me like oh well because she's a she's a three D artist and she was oh, like nice. oh well you you should do music for games and I'm like you're right I absolutely should <laughs> <laughs> and so I I started creating these demos of like what I think music and games sounds like and just put them up on made a SoundCloud and just made a little portfolio. Mm-hmm. And then when her school, uh, she was studying at Laguna College of Art and Design, when her, when her school was putting together a video game, like it was like part of a big class thing and the whole school was working on a video game together, they made this game called The Last Anteater. And that struck my heart because anteaters are my favorite animals. Ever. Nice. So, <laughs> so, so N- Natasha was like, oh, well, my, my, my boyfriend was, is a composer. You should have him score the game. And they're like, okay. So I score, got to score that game. That was my very first game. I did it totally for free and everything just for the school. And mm-hmm. that game ended up going to an awards ceremony thing for the IEEE <laughs> intercollegiate thing. Wow. And so I went with the, with the class to, uh, to this award ceremony thing. And then some of the, the judges, like t- Tommy Tallarico was actually one of the judge, which was funny. That was yeah. the first time I ever met him. But it, some of the judges had some comments, and they really liked the music. And then some of the people in the crowd um, approached me afterwards and were like, hey, I want you to do some music for my game. And that was uh, wow. Mobility Wear and another person from a, from a studio called um, uh, Broken Circle Studios. And those were my very, very first two uh, video game clients. And I started doing some work for them and just trying to pick up more things and built my portfolio and being like, oh, this is really cool. I want to become a video game composer and I want to stop teaching music. <laughs> so <laughs> I just started gathering more work and then totally random how I got hooked up with Hexany was uh, Richard Ludlow. He posted a totally like just open call because they were just leaving uh, college and they were trying to start their company out, out here in Los Angeles and they were looking for their first employee. They wanted a composer slash sound designer and I was already experimenting a little bit with sound because everything about video game audio interests me and mm-hmm. I put together some reels and, and demos for them and I sent it off with my application everything. They interviewed me um, before okay, before they even told me I got the job I quit my teaching job because I'm like okay I'm done teaching <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got this job if I didn't no big deal I've got my own clients whatever but I am so done teaching I want to be a composer mm-hmm. so I uh, so yeah I, I quit my job and then they started contracting with me a little bit and I was working on things and then they hired me and I started on site and then I've just been with the company ever since you know now and, and now uh, 
now you know Richard and I are, are co-owners of the company. So, but yeah, I was the the first employee. Is kind of how that that started. And I guess <laughs> here I am now. That's the super long story of how how I, I got it. to where I am. Everybody's path is so different. It's one of my favorite questions to ask because everybody has such a unique story as to how they got into the industry. And I think that's one of the things that makes it so special, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so no, I appreciate you sharing that. <laughs> oh, well, well, yeah. Well, thanks for listening to that. But w- one, of the, <laughs> one of the things that I've, it's always hard when people are like, oh, well, how'd you get involved? It's like so many things happened in such a short amount of time. Yep. It's like, <laughs> like the, I don't even know how to, how to say it. Cause it's like simultaneously, I was like doing all these different things and like trying to do this, you know? So, and then my, my career as a video game composer is only, you know, four years old. So it's like, like <laughs> it, it, it all happened really fast. Like in the course of a year, I went from like not doing video games at all, but wanting to do video games to doing video games full time. So, wow. so it was like, <laughs> everything happened really fast. Well, I'm glad it did. I've uh, really enjoyed discovering uh, you as it were, and just hearing your music and um, yeah, what are you working on now? What do you got going on now that you could actually talk about? Oh sure, I mean I'm I'm always doing work with Tencent um, and and Netties as well, which is another really big Chinese cl- client we have, and uh, yeah. const- constantly writing stuff for Moonlight Blade. Um, the there's a really really popular game in China called Honor of Kings. It's actually the most popular game in the world if you go by by what per is? player. Honor of Kings. Oh wow. Yeah, it's a it's a MOBA game, you know, like like League of Legends with the the combat and everything. But uh, it's yeah, by player, it has the most players in the world of any game. So that's crazy. Oh my god! It, it, just because China's got so many people. Yeah. But uh, so I I do a lot of music for that game, and just today I was working on uh, on a track for a new character for that, and I'll finish it after after this call, and uh, that's that's really fun to work on. I mean, I just really appreciated, uh, you know, as I mentioned, the scores, and I, I thought they were both really well done and just well recorded or produced, however you want to say it. I just thought they were great. Yeah. I've always kind of considered mixing and the whole production of things. It's, it's almost inseparable from from the composition process and the orchestration. And, and, mm-hmm. and same thing with, with the mix. Like, when people are... Um, talking about like oh like i this project is this mix is so good on this it's a lot of times it's has nothing to do with the mix it's the orchestration like lends itself to a great mix you know it's like oftentimes if a mix sounds poor it's it's because you know there's you know not enough stuff bouncing out on the high end or whatever just poor orchestration that 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 can sound muddy so at, i'm always like trying to not separate <laughs> like the mix of something and and uh, the actual mm-hmm. orchestration process, you know, I feel like it's they're, they're one in the same. I always try to mix my own music when I can and stuff like that. So, 
Yes, well, you and Sam would get along swimmingly because he feels the same way. <laughs> oh, yeah? He's, Which yeah, Sam he's, is that? He produces the show, so he mixes oh, our awesome. show. And uh, I do all the editing in terms of cutting up and putting in, I put on, in all the music, and then he volume graphs it and mixes it and makes me sound oh, yeah. better and things like that. <laughs> yeah, what, one of, yeah, one of the very first things I learned when I was working in the recording studio in high school was like, like every every band that would come in because we were mostly recording like rock bands and metal bands and stuff like that and yeah. uh, every band that would come in they would their end product would always sound sound like different and and people would always be like oh well how come I don't sound like this band and it's like because you don't write like this band <laughs> it's like you know it's like yeah it's like, it doesn't matter how well you record record this you know it's not going to mm-hmm. turn out like this unless it's that you know <laughs> exactly so it's a good way to say it yeah <laughs> well matthew it's been such a pleasure to get to know you a little better and hopefully we'll cross paths again soon and um definitely let me know about uh, what you got coming up but super nice to talk to you oh absolutely and and thanks for thanks for reaching out about the things that that was super flattering by the way because it's a <laughs> it's a score of mine that it doesn't get much attention you know because it's like sure. a a, a Chinese game that has not been ported to the West and like there's really not much you can find about it and no one's really heard the music or anything and you're just like hey I love this score I'm like yeah. wow well, th- well thank you nobody's ever said that about that score so so that was really really interesting and kind of you to point it out Thanks for listening to episode 103 of Level with Emily Reese. You can learn more about Matthew Carl Earl on his website, which is matthewcarlearl.com, and at patreon.com slash level. There's a playlist there, too, and links to his band, Xanthrocroid. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Which Sam is that? You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com. Made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services and composer Brad Gentle. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media, Inc.